This is They Create Worlds, episode 92, Citing Apologies. Welcome to They Create Worlds. I'm Jeffrey, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Alex. Where are you, Alex? Let me check my phone here. Alex, missing for a month? Crap, I gotta get him for this recording. Alex, where are you? Book. Book? What book? Oh, right, he's writing a book. Can we record now? No? Now? No? Wait, who's calling me? I'm sorry, Jeff, but your co-host is in another castle. Oh, no! No! So, yeah. It is currently June 11th. And I finally have an Alex. These things only come out once, what, every two months, right? Uh, no, I mean, no. Every two weeks or oh. twice a month. Oh, two weeks. Yes. I always get those mixed up. Yeah, I know. They're very confusing. There is a two in there. Well, there you go. That's, that's what had me fooled. True. So, yeah, as you could tell from that uh, highly interesting opening, this will not be a regular episode of They Create Worlds, for one of us has been trapped in citation hell for two and a half weeks or so, scrambling to get his book done. On the bright side, the book is done. It is, but we, we didn't want to miss because we are very proud of the fact that we have yet to miss a release date. Twice a month, every month, like clockwork, for more years than it feels like it should be. Three and a half to four. Give or take. So we decided we'd have a little short book celebration episode. Promote me. Yay. Promote the book, which won't be out for a long time yet. We'll obviously talk about it more again closer to release. And, uh, you know, just to have a random chat here for a very short period of time. For those of you that are patrons and, you know, those of you that aren't and really should be, we will not be taking money from you for this because obviously this is shorter than normal and and not the typical format. We're not actually covering any history. (laughs) Well, we, we may sneak a little something in there, but yeah, I mean, we're really not. Our next episode will still be, or the next one after this, will be the, the bookware episode that we had uh, initially said would be the episode this time. But, I mean, we're still talking bookware, kind of, so we, we didn't completely lie to our loyal viewers, listeners, people. Thingies? Nine hours of sleep in the last two days. So, really, he's saying that I just needed to get him drunk, too, and then this would be total entertainment. Oh, God. <laughs> Let me go pour that glass of amaretto. Brownest of the brown liqueurs. That is true. What's that? You want me to drink you? But I'm in the middle of a podcast. That's all right. Also, we don't record in the same room anymore. Yeah, so for those who may not know that, we actually do <laughs> not record, even though we went back to the old way of doing this, where we're in separate houses. Almost the old way. We have upgraded with audiovisual special effects. Did you know they make cameras that you can plug into your computer? Yeah. What a world we live in, Jeff. I know. So we didn't actually see each other sort of like we did 
four, but whenever I have to do a live stream, this is going to become really entertaining. Something like that. Which actually we will be doing in the summer, right? Not quite the summer, right? So uh, I suppose this is as good a time as any to mention this when no one's going to be listening because they'll be like, what is this thing that just showed up on my podcast feed? Go away. As uh, those of you that have been with us for a while know, we do try to do one like massive three-parter or occasionally four-parter every year just as something, you know, covering a a bigger and more in-depth topic. Uh, We usually do it in the summer, but uh, this time, well, if we get a, (laughs) I suppose it could still be in the summer if we actually get a buffer built back up again. Oh, we're going to be doing that. (laughs) If I have to drag you across coals and whips and bring you back from the dead. I, I don't think you really drag people across whips so much as dragging whips across people, but... But you do you. You do you. But uh, it just so happens that uh, this year we are going to be celebrating our 100th episode. This year, of course, will correspond with our 100th episode sometime in the fall. Jeff probably knows more specifically than that. And if he doesn't, I can wait here as long as I need to for him to look it up because... We can edit this all out. It doesn't matter. Yep, I can will figure he, it out. Just will he edit it out? Will he leave this in because he thinks it's entertaining? I may never know because I certainly don't listen to us. Why would I want to listen to us? I had to sit through it the first time. October 15th it would start. October 15th. Now that, that's the 100th. So that's episode 100. Okay, yeah. That, yeah. So I, I don't know if we've even between ourselves discussed yet whether we're going to do this with 98, 99, 100 or 100, 101, 102, but something like that. We are going to do a top 100 most influential games extravaganza. And uh, as we did with our three-parter last year, we will hopefully be doing a live stream of that. Now, this will be different from most of the top 100s out there. First of all, we're not going to really rank them. I mean, we'll probably, like, pick 10 and, and not even rank those 10, but pick 10 and say, like, okay, these are truly, honestly, the 10 most influential games. But other than that, we're not going to create an arbitrary list about it. But we are going to choose 100 games that feel particularly important to the development of video games. So we're not choosing the best. Uh, We're not even necessarily always choosing the most influential, but a hundred games that really exemplify the development of the industry. And we'll talk about each one a little bit, um, some more than others, I'm sure, and explain kind of how that all fits together and whatever else we can cram at the last minute, like two hours before the episode starts. Maybe I shouldn't tell them that's how we do this. Oh, come on. I think they know by this point that it's just spit and polish, spit and polish. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so that's a fun thing that's going to be coming up uh, that, that we'll live stream, and that'll be our big three-parter for the year. So it'll be a little later in the year than normal. We usually kind of shoot for late June, early July for that, but it really made sense to have that all correspond to that episode 100 instead. So that's a fun thing that's, that's coming up. Yeah, when we do the recording of that, which will probably be, when the heck is October? Uh, well, that's the 10th one. So oh, right. you, you run out of fingers on one hand, and then you <laughs> run out of fingers on the other hand, and you're there. Oh, goody. 
it depends on how this whole get the buffer backup thing goes, but that could be a month or two before it actually goes live. I'm thinking August at the earliest. Um, I will still be recovering from trauma huh. in July. But no, seriously, probably August. Uh, it probably will be August. Once we get a uh, final date down, I'll try to give you guys at least a couple weeks heads up. I'll probably tweet it. I'll throw it on the website and smoke signals can we do smoke signals i've always wanted to do smoke signals we could do smoke signals but unless you're really close to my house that's probably the only way you're going to see it but aren't our most loyal fans stalking our every move nope we are not that popular oh well that's a letdown you say that now (laughs) all right so what else do we have for the people in this episode that's really going to be quite strange probably yeah, we got your book. Yes. Where does that real status comes in? Because pretty much you've been blitzkrieging this thing for the last month with us going back and forth and drag you uh, out of the dark corners of your research in order to get you to record for a few hours and then you disappear immediately afterwards. <laughs> and then yes. I just lost you for like three weeks. Yeah, you know, deadlines and post deadlines, but only very slightly post deadline. And if Martin can do it, Martin. So anyway, yeah. So that's that's what I have been doing almost literally nonstop uh, these last couple of weeks is getting that in order. But I am pleased to report that other than a few uh, very minor last minute formatting things uh, at the time of this recording, the entire bloody thing is finished other than whatever kind of editing and proofing and all of that will go on uh, over the God knows how many months uh, that it needs to get into shape before it actually gets published. And this is book one. Right. This is book one. So we've talked about this before, and it's kind of lurking sometimes in our description of our podcast. But the main thing I'm doing, I mean, we do this podcast, and once upon a time, I wrote some blog posts. Been a long time for that. But the the main thing that I've really been doing is working on a three-volume history of the video game industry. Won't go into huge depth. We've done it before, but basically it aims to be very comprehensive. It's going to go up to about 2005, any more recent than that, and you start losing perspective on things. Uh, some historians would say that until we're 100 years away, we don't have any perspective on it, but I can't wait till 100 years after now because I'll be dead. So I'm writing it now but only up to 2005 at this point. And uh, it's going to be global in scope. It's going to be uh, all facets, consoles, computers, coin-op. Won't get into too much phone stuff by 2005 because that's pre-iPhone, but something flip phoneish might get in there like snakes or something. And no, that just because I mentioned that doesn't mean you have to go put it in the show notes. It's okay, Jeff. We don't have to do show notes this time. <laughs> he's going for it he's gonna do it yeah it's gonna be covering a little bit of of everything or rather a lot of everything uh the first book is now complete my initial manuscript this will certainly change during the process here uh, is sitting at about 650 pages that is a lot of pages what is our type points on that uh, double spaced 12 point font of the times new roman variety So yeah, that's a lot. Most of the writing was already done prior to my deadline, but Alex made the mistake of not diligently keeping track of all of his citations 
as he was writing this thing. He's a very bad boy, and he should be severely punished for this. And believe me, he was severely punished for this, because that's what resulted in the last two weeks of his life, which he will never get back and always remember. Now, the real question is, which was worse, preparing for the bar or this? Oh, preparing for the bar. Um, this was more work, but less stress. That was still a hell of a lot of work, but it was, it was spread over a longer period of time. So the day-to-day work wasn't quite so bad, but the, the stress was much worse. But that's a good question. That's the, the kind of entertaining content we want to have in this episode. Bringing up all of Alex's past traumas. So, uh, yeah, part of what I wanted to do with these books is that I do want them to be foundational tomes. Now, I use the term foundational instead of definitive because they won't be definitive because there's new stuff coming out all the time. The uh, historians that say we need 100 years are really absolutely correct. It, it does take much longer for everything to kind of filter out. So, uh, you know, something's going to come along in a, in a few decades that trumps it on that score. But I did want something that would be foundational. Uh, I think I've talked about this before, that the books that are currently out that are kind of primarily focused on telling the story, as opposed to being more uh, scholarly, academic, analytical works are, for various reasons, not all that they could or should be. And, you know, I'm not saying that my book is going to be perfect or flawless or that it'll be the most entertaining thing anyone's ever read, but the problem with these other books, uh, which we've talked about before on the show, is that they are largely journalist or enthusiast works. The journalists know how to do research uh, very well, but... They're not going to be devoting years and years and years of their life to this. So, um, generally speaking, they do enough research to tell the story they want to tell, but don't necessarily have all the time in the world for cross-checking and tracking down obscure stuff in out-of-the-way archives or dark corners of the Internet or all of that. I mean, you know, this this book is, uh, even though I've only been writing it, well, I shouldn't say only, I've been writing the book for Gosh, I think I wrote the first chapter of it, you know, back in 2015. So I've been writing it for like four years, but I've been researching it for over a decade. And no journalist, and nor should they be expected to, is is going to spend 10 years of their life researching a single topic like this. So they have the research skills, and they definitely have the writing chops. Some of them certainly even better writing chops than me. But they don't have all of the care and attention to detail. It's not something that they're necessarily super duper passionate about on the other side you have the enthusiasts who are very passionate and very interested and very willing to go that extra mile to figure out minute little details in the areas that specifically interest them but they don't necessarily have the same amount of training in research and cross-checking things and all of that so all of these books have merit, and, and many of them are, are cited in my own book. Uh, this is not in any way to denigrate any of the work that's come before, because without some of that work, I wouldn't have had a base to start with. I mean, I relied on these books to get into things, so not in any way denigrating that. There hasn't really been something coming along that does a good job of telling the story that is both reasonably accurate and also reasonably rigorous. That's the niche that I'm hoping my book fits into. 
because these days when when the professional academics are doing their analytical work uh, for their facts, they're still citing from some of these books, uh, some of which are 10, 15, even 20 years old now. They're still citing to those books for their facts because they're interested in getting to their analysis. And again, that's that's what they do in academia. That's not a criticism. It just means that nobody's been doing the work of making sure that the narrative is straight. And so that's what I'm hoping to do. Uh, it's not a strict chronicle, uh, because it does go into some cause and effect and hows and whys. It's not just a roll of years or anything like that. It's, it's organized thematically. It's not organized like 1981 this happened, and 1982 that happened. It's, it's organized around themes and jumps back and forth. So, I mean, it's, it's got some of those hallmarks of more rigorous academic scholarship, but it is not a pure academic work intended for an academic audience. I think that you would have to be really, really interested in the ins and outs of video game history to want to get this book, but I would imagine that if you're listening to this podcast, that probably already describes you. So uh, in that sense, <laughs> it, should, it should fit right in. Um, this is all a long roundabout way of saying that because I want this to be something foundational and something that can be relied upon and something that can be relied upon in the academic community, I wanted to make sure that it was very, very thoroughly cited, that where I got my information is thoroughly, thoroughly documented. And my information is coming from a lot of places. I mean, I'm covering a, long, a large period of time and a large subject over a long period of time, and I'm not just citing to the previous authors that have written. I mean, there's sites to Stephen Kent in there, and there's sites to Tristan Donovan in there. There's sites to, to other books, of course. But I've been through hundreds of periodicals and web articles and interviews and oral histories, and I've conducted my own interviews. So I'm, I'm really pulling from hundreds and hundreds of sources, and I want people to know where my information is coming from, that they know that they can trust it and know that they can largely rely on it. And in those cases where they can't fully rely on it because I may have made a goof, at least they'll be able to check my work and see where I went wrong. What all that means is a lot of footnotes, a lot of citations, and not those namby-pamby MLA inline citations that most uh, college students do in their papers. No, we are talking about the Chicago Manual of Style. What makes the Chicago Manual of Style special? Well, it's not that it's special other than the fact that it is the most comprehensive citation format. So we definitely won't have a long tangent on this because at this point we're saying, yeah, you better not be charging for this on Patreon if all you're going to be doing <laughs> is talking about citation styles. <laughs> but to put it very briefly, a lot of the citation formats that, that people use, not academics in their own papers, but a lot of students and a lot of enthusiasts use, is inline citations where you basically you can give an author and you can give a publication year and if it's somebody that you have multiple works in there by that person maybe you put one other piece of identifying information in uh, you put that in parentheses right after your fact directly in the text and that's your entire site you don't have to worry about exactly where it came from like if you're doing this after the fact which trust me is a bad way to do it i know 
But if for the sake of argument you're doing this after the fact, it's not like you have to track down the exact page number again. It's like, okay, well, I, I know it came from this source. I remember I got it from this source. So parenthesis, author, comma, date, maybe not even a comma. I can't remember. Close parenthesis, done. Chicago is a thorough citation style. You only use footnotes or endnotes. There is not inline citation. There might be some halfway weird inline Chicago style, uh, you know. But like their pizza, their citations go deep. It's only footnotes and endnotes, either or. In addition to having that author and year information, the first time you cite to something, you have to do the complete citation. So that's author, if author exists, title, publisher, city location of publisher, date of publication, any other weird special information that you have to include on top of that, depending on the source type, and then, uh, you know, that whole thing is there. On every citation, even the subsequent citations, you need to put the page number, if it's something that has pages. If you're using an ebook, a modern ebook that doesn't have pages, some Kindle books do, some don't, depends on how the author chose to format it, then you can just do chapter instead, but you have to have something that identifies not just what source you used, but where in the source you found it. And you have to do this every time you use the source. That's a lot more writing, and that's a lot more accuracy that's needed when you're doing Chicago. But that's why Chicago is the gold standard that academics use when they're doing their own papers, because it's the most thorough, it's the most accountable, it's the most easy to check up on everything that, that a person's using. But that's a lot, <laughs> especially when you're working from hundreds of, of articles, and, and that's not an exaggeration. Plus, I've got all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, you know, even if in school you're using Chicago, you're probably citing some books, you're probably citing to a journal article or two. Maybe if you're feeling really fancy, you pull something out of the local newspaper, and that's mostly what you're citing. You know, I'm citing a lot of that kind of thing too, obviously, but I'm also citing depositions. I'm citing posts on message boards. I'm citing tweets. I'm citing all sorts of strange things that people normally never cite to. In fact, the handy-dandy internet let me down when I was trying to figure out how to cite a court deposition. <laughs> it didn't want to tell me. So I just kind of mostly guessed based on similar types of sources and how it works. There were a lot of sites to do. There were some special formats that I had to hunt around the internet to figure out how to do. And there were 1,883 footnotes to place in this roughly 650-page book. And there can only be more in the next one. Yeah, so obviously I'm going to work on my project flow, my pipeline, <laughs> for you uh, computer programmers out there. Next time, <laughs> definitely going to have a better pipeline. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, it'll still be a lot of work, but but the point will be that it will be work that gradually accumulates and, and I won't have to be going back uh, to things twice because, I mean, not for everything. I mean, it's not like I lost complete track of where things came from. I mean, I had stuff. I just didn't have quite the thoroughness of stuff I needed to do it quickly. So for some things, you know, I ended up having to go back and troll through sources again. And at that point, you're practically writing it twice. I mean, I didn't have to put pen to paper again, metaphorically speaking, because the text was already there, but I had to go back to all the sources that I used to write the text in, in some cases, not all cases. So that was an intense process. 
The book had somewhere between two and 300 footnotes going into the last two weeks. So for those of you keeping score at home, I did like 1,600 citations in two weeks. That is a lot. And he literally just got done with it a few hours ago. Yes, as of this recording, uh, <laughs> which, as we said at the top, is very, very close to when this episode is publishing. Yes, <laughs> as of the time of this recording, it, it, it was just earlier today. Yeah, this is being recorded at night around 8 Central. Central Daylight Time. Yeah, one of those. We're not those crazy Indiana people. Fine. Lack of daylight savings time. It is June 11th, about 8.30 or so, 8.45, and I have to have this thing pretty much ready to go by Friday at 7. And so, because I like Jeff... (laughs) We've known each other a long time, and because I don't want him to go through the equivalent of what I just went through over two weeks, over the course of a few days, that is why you have this abomination (laughs) of a podcast to listen to. At least something, anyway. (laughs) Another question for you in regards to the book. Yes. Is there any plan to do an audio version of it? Because I know everyone here is listening to an audio podcast of it. They may not feel inclined to, you know, read it. But they might listen to it. Short answer, probably not. (laughs) Long answer, I have no idea. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, as we talked about before, this is not a self-published work. I actually have a real publisher with its own friends and credit cards and keys It's a kind of quasi-academic publisher. I mean, they do academic work, but it's kind of quasi-academic. They do a lot of textbooks. Uh, This is not in a textbook format, but CRC Press uh, is the imprint. They've done a lot of video game history books recently. They're buying more video game history material, really, than any other publisher, which is why they bought me, I suppose. It sounds terrible when I put it like that. Technically, they they haven't bought me because there's no advance, but uh, at some point, they will pay me something or another. Anywho, so yeah, I've got I've got a real publisher. Uh, I doubt that they would want to do an audiobook of this because uh, that's a lot of production cost for very little gain. So I mean, yeah, theoretically, I mean, you know, theoretically, I could get out there and <laughs> put myself in front of a microphone and read for fifty hours, and if my publisher didn't care, put that out on the web or something. But you know big emphasis on and if my publisher didn't care yeah but that's not something i see necessarily happening (laughs) but a good question i just come up with all the entertaining questions either that or entertain insane thoughts like just reading it myself (laughs) except i think that would be the equivalent of torturing myself you know it's it's long it's very long some academic books are full of very complicated language this this is not directed specifically in academic crowds. It's relatively plain English. I mean, there may be some fancy words in there, but it's not like fancy sentences full of fancy words, full of fancy letters that nobody knows. So it's pretty straightforward, but still, that would be a lot of reading. So much reading. All the reading? Pretty much. Alrighty then. I think that pretty much sums up what's been going on here, why this episode's a bit weird, as we said at the top of the podcast episode. A bit? I think we average about (laughs) one weird whatever episode a year, so we're going to take this one and run with it? (laughs) Yes. Though, Though they usually are standard length and not quite so silly. True. 
Now I just need to nail down a time and then tie him to a chair and make him talk about bookware for a couple of hours. Yes. Who wants to come over and help me? It's a family show, Jeff. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we will return to our regularly scheduled programming next episode. We will talk about that whole bookware thing that I brought up at the end of the previous episode where the book publishers very briefly were like, oh, look. Adventures in text you play on your computer. That's like books, except with typing. We like books. We can do that. Turns out they couldn't, but we can talk about that in a couple of weeks. Couple of weeks? Oh, you're talking about that sooner. So much sooner. No, 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 no. A couple of weeks for the listeners. Oh, fine. Yeah, they can wait in a couple of weeks. You... <laughs> We're going to have some words. (laughs) Probably like this weekend or something. Yes. Apologies for the sort of weird episode again. And if you're a patron, we're definitely not charging for this again. So just so you know. But our streak is intact. But we're streaking intact. We're telling you what's going on. A little bit of update, a little bit of silliness. We'll see you next time where we'll actually talk about bookware on the next episode of They Create Worlds. Check out our show notes at podcast.theycreateworlds.com, where we have links to some of the things that we discuss in this and other episodes. You can check out Alex's video game history blog at videogamehistorian.wordpress.com. Alex's forthcoming book will be released through CRC Press. Email us at feedback at theycreateworlds.com. Our Twitter is TCW Podcast. Please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash theycreateworlds. Outro music is Bacterial Love by Rolla Music, found at freemusicarchive.org, used under a Creative Commons attribution license. <laughs>